Welcome to another episode of the Cubic Report. Today our guest is senior pastor for the Caribbean, as well as pastor of the Fort Lauderdale and Vero Beach, Florida churches. His name is Chuck Smith. Welcome back to the Cubic Report. Well, thank you, Victor. Appreciate, uh, yeah, it's been a few years and uh, a lot's been happening in the Caribbean, so I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk about. We actually have done the other podcasts, I believe it was about two or three of them, on what was called Inside United when I was still in my particular role as president. But since that time, I've started a podcast called The Cubic Report. This is the first time that we have you here, and I've done, this is about number 80 or 81 here of the podcast, and I really do appreciate being able to have your insight. So you've been an elder now since March 1st, 2012, and you've done a lot of good work in Florida and the Caribbean. And I'll just uh, mention the areas that, that you serve, because it's quite, it's quite a list. And the list is in alphabetical order here, and I may not pronounce it correctly, but I do want to list it, and I got my map out here, so I, <laughs> before the podcast, I made sure to look at it. I love maps, and I love to see, you know, when we talk about it someplace in the world, I like to see where, where it's at on the map. But Abaco, Bahamas, Dominica, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Grand Bahama, Bahamas, Kingston, Jamaica, Mirabalis, Haiti, Montego Bay, Jamaica, Ocho Rios, Jamaica, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, Trinidad, and Vero Beach. Can you imagine all that <laughs> under the scope of one man? But he'll, be, he'll, he'll describe a little bit about how he manages that. But there are various languages that he has to interface with, with English, of course, Spanish, the French language, and the Dutch language. Now, I might say, too, with Chuck, I have really appreciated our friendship that goes back to the previous president, Denny Luker, and through common friends and acquaintances in Indianapolis. And, and I have just really, really been so touched. I, I don't want to use the word impressed uh, because I don't think he's done it for that purpose, but I've just been very, very moved, inspired, and even looked to him as an example of, of service, of what he's done not only to help people spiritually, which is a pastor's primary job, but also how he's taken it upon himself to help people in physical ways. The Caribbean is noted natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, and he's been there to help out and found ways to do it because of the kind of work that he used to do in the past in the construction business. So anyway, Chuck, you're not a person who is shy to speak. Maybe you can kind of start us off here with a little bit of an overview of your area and tell us about some of the areas that are special. Sure, uh, Victor, I appreciate it. Uh, I think you and I were both blessed by having known and being uh, mentored in one way or another by Dennis Luker. I know he mm -hmm. was very, I was very close to him. He, he uh, gave great direction as a president and you, you succeeded him as president and uh, carried on his not only wishes, but uh, desire to help people. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that's one of the main reasons between you and him. You're probably, I wouldn't say the reason, but God had a purpose too. But uh, I wouldn't be being able to serve all these people without you and Denny Luker. So I appreciate uh, your confidence in me. And Denny just once told me just 
I said, I don't know that I can do this work. And he said, well, you, you ran a corporation for 20 years, run it like it's your own business. Mm -hmm. And you have encouraged me to do the same thing. And so I've looked at it, this job as not only a business, it's God's business, but also it's a personal adventure for me to meet so many people. I, it's a blessing to work in a melting pot of people. Mm -hmm. I, growing up in Tennessee, I didn't really have that many languages or people from various countries. But unlike you, I've never traveled around the world, but I sure have traveled through the Caribbean. And what a blessing it has been for me to be able to serve and help the people in the Caribbean. Well, it's, so, quite, it's a different kind of travel, too. Is There's no place that you can drive to between. And you're <laughs> always on plane from this area to another. There are so many different airlines. I think that Miami Airport has more different airlines coming into it than any place in the world. And it's the kaleidoscope of people that are in the Caribbean area. And, and that is something that people, I would say in this country, do not understand. Because most people's impression of the Caribbean is from ads of resorts. But there's a whole culture, people, strata, economically, and a whole world there that you are very much involved in. Yes, we may have the Feast of Tabernacles at a nice resort, and you see them advertised on TV, but... Uh, that's not where the ministry stays. That's not where I stay. It's, it's uh, more down with the people. It's at the uh, least expensive place we can get. So uh, if we can work within the budget that UCG is given, then if I can cut our cost, we can make more trips and visit the people. And so they, because they are the delight. They're there what makes uh, uh, me get up every morning. It's the people. And I am blessed to be uh, serving in this position, even though I feel like I may be getting along in the teeth because I can't. Uh, I, when I go back and do a Friday to a Monday trip and then get back and take care of everything I have in South Florida, I'm more tired than I was 11 years ago when I when I started this. So well, I can tell it's a it's a it's a it's a work that you love, but it's also can be very tiring because, you know, Airplane travel is not like it used to be. No, no. You know, before of just going 24-7, and, and it was 7 because the Sabbath day, which is a day of rest for the general population, for us oftentimes is the one that demands more from us than any other, our mental energy, our spiritual energy, and our physical energy. So, uh, Chuck, tell us about the uh, areas that are your primary areas in, in the Caribbean. I know that you have all those areas, but uh, how do you manage in your key basis? Well, for one thing, you have to be very organized, have a day planner and a week planner and a year planner and three-year plan and five-year plan and and uh, plan and plan and then plan some more uh, to make sure everybody's taken care of. But to me, one of the main things we have to do is to visit the people, especially after COVID, because a lot of people lost their way I uh, decided to stay home, um, just lost a lot of their will to get out, fight the traffic, fight the weather, and just watch something on the laptop. And that, after a couple years of that, I found that they really need help. And they came and said, you know, we found that 
we missed the fellowship. We weren't the same as we were before because of what COVID did to mm-hmm. did to the Caribbean because COVID shut down before in many ways before even the United States did. And I was not able to travel. I actually, when they shut everything down, I was in Trinidad and had to leave there because they were shutting down. I went over to Grenada because I wanted to see the brethren in Grenada and then jump back over to St. Lucia. And in Grenada, they, they uh, came and got us out of the hotel and said this is the last plane out so i had to cancel st lucia and leave uh jammed on a plane out of grenada and then they shut the that island down and the rest down so for two two and a half years we couldn't really visit the brethren so that's why we started our our webcast Mm -hmm. as you know from fort lauderdale Mm -hmm. and then i became pastor of vero beach and we started one there so now the people in the caribbean have a webcast in some ways they can watch either am or pm uh so now we have just started back visiting the people Mm -hmm. establishing those relationships we are blessed now in the Caribbean to have two elders, uh, one in Trinidad, which is the first time in, in 10 years that we've had uh, elders. Uh, you know Dale Bessesser? Yes, his, his daughter works at the home office, yeah. Yes, uh, Dale is very sharp, and uh, so he was anointed an elder last year along with uh, Kellen Barthelme mm-hmm. in St. Lucia. So that has helped me not have to go and fly and do funerals and counseling and so forth when you have uh, elders who who are wise and they're and long in their years in the church so they can also teach but mm-hmm. also help shepherd the people when mm-hmm. I'm not there so that that has been that is a change that has happened over over the last year or so and so it's 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 been a blessing I think it's interesting because almost in every church that I Overseas, we are having, especially in South Florida, we're having people who have not been a part of our fellowship, but watched us, watched our webcast on um, YouTube mm-hmm. and decided that uh, after everything was lifted, they wanted to make a visit because they felt like they actually knew me as the pastor and speaker, and they felt like they knew so many of the people in the church. So I think that transition has been very good mm-hmm. uh, for the church mm-hmm. in that way. It, it has in South Florida and in some of the islands mm-hmm. I've seen. So, Do you have good help in the U.S. too? Because you do have a full load here, two churches. Uh, yes, two churches. Good. Well, I did, I did lose my uh, assistant, Jeff Lockhart. Yeah, Jeff Lockhart and Lisa, they were a big part, uh, but they were needed out in Texas. But the home office agreed to let them continue to serve in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So he sees the day-to-day things in Jamaica, our churches there, our three churches. And then he reports to me, and I also work with uh, Jamaica Mm -hmm. uh, in that way. So so that helps. But, yes, I have some uh, very good deacons and people who just serve in the local congregations. But typically, now I try to be at both services, a.m. and a p.m., almost uh, three out of four weeks. Mm-hmm. And so being they watch our AM service on the webcast from Vero Beach, I have to give two new sermons every week. 
Mm-hmm. So that has uh, made me work a little bit harder, but but it's good to see the enthusiasm in the churches uh, now that we can come together and spend more time. I was going to say that we, Bev and I, have really enjoyed watching your services. I mean, we're, we're sitting there lurking in the background at Shirley Davis's home. <laughs> you know? Oh yes, and she's she's, she's a she's a she's a weekly watcher. She's so. one of, she's one of your fans. But we have enjoyed the we have appreciated the quality of the presentation, the graphics. It was all well thought through. I'm sure that Jeff Lockhart had a lot to do with that, but we, we have really uh, thought, well, that's a really a good production. It isn't just a talking head. It was just more than that. We have appreciated that. Yes. Once uh, we started studying, I worked with Jeff uh, Lockhart, Jeff Newell, who is up in Vero Beach. He took everything from there and took it to Vero Beach. Once we found that uh, in today's society, 67% of all learning is done visually, mm-hmm. then we decide we we have to go with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the graphics are up, the PowerPoints are up, and not just the words of Scripture sermon, but it's pictures that uh, help shape the verses and expound on the verses. So we found it to be successful. People like it. I uh, get a lot of emails suggesting topics, also asking questions. So, uh, so hopefully... Uh, it's pleasing to God, and he'll continue to bless that uh, side of the work. Yeah, I think that an important part, of if you're going to go online, is to have some type of feedback mechanism. Uh, I just had a newsletter that came here about how to improve that, is to have either a survey, a, in a way kind of nudge them into reacting, you know, by saying, what do you feel about this, what would you like? And uh, I see that you're doing those types of things. Well, yes, it's it's very important to get feedback. I, I take phone calls, uh, people I don't even know. We have quite a few on the West Coast, the Seattle area. Um, we even have in Oregon, I got a phone call one time from four ladies, elderly ladies, all widows. One of them called me and said, we get up every Sabbath morning and watch you at like 7 o'clock in the morning. And we four ladies all meet. And we turn you on every every week, and that's uh, and we're so inspired because you put the scriptures up there, so we really don't even have to have our Bible sometimes, and we can just spend time and talk. Mm-hmm. And she said the youngest of us is seventy nine, so <laughs> I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good service. Uh huh. That's that's great. Uh, Chuck, what have been some of the highlights of your work in the Caribbean? We haven't talked in a couple of years, and I know that. I might just recount some of the things that we talked about before. One of them was Haiti. It was uh, good news and then bad news after uh, some of the natural disasters and so forth. But uh, give us a view of some of the highlights of your work in the Caribbean to share with our audience. Oh, well, I've been blessed. You have that much time? I sure do. (laughs) Okay, because we we have really seen a lot of things change. Uh, not all for the good, but uh, we see the good after the bad. And I guess one of the most successful things we have done, and it is thanks to you and good works, is the work that was done and the service and help that came to the brethren in Freeport mm-hmm. after that horrendous hurricane that uh, sat over the island for 48 hours and literally killed so many people and utterly destroyed 80% of that island. And our brethren was right there, right in the middle of it. And so we were able with uh, the Good Works program that you, Lena and Lewis, 
actually went over and made a video. I guess you saw the video oh, yeah. they made. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get everybody to see that because to me, that is what good works. That is what United uh, should be doing mm -hmm. whenever we can. And whenever the opportunity or the tragedy happens, we can be right there to help people. And so one our our deaconess over there, she actually called me in the middle of it because we couldn't do anything. And she had gotten on top of her table uh, because the water was up to her knees in her house. And she didn't know what to do. And we just prayed right there on the phone. And, and so eventually the water went down and there was a lot of damage. And so we headed over to help them as soon as uh, the uh, well, the airline was actually closed. I had to find another airline that would take me over. And we went over and assessed the situation. We got all of our brethren together with uh, uh, Wendy Mackey, Wendy and Mark, mm -hmm. who oversaw everything, as you can see on the video. Right. But uh, being able to take care of the brethren first, because that was that was what I wanted to do. Take care of them first. We did. And then take care of help their families and then branch out from there. And the next thing you know, we were able to uh, help probably 35 or 40 different families mm -hmm. through uh, not only the brethren carrying materials, being there for food taking care of necessities that they were really needing, help the handicapped, find ways to get back into their houses. So it's uh, that was very inspiring to me mm -hmm. uh, because it was not just one person. It wasn't two. It was, it was the church working together and in hand to help not only everyone in church, but the, the, the friends around the island that now know we're just not a little small church that just takes care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So to me that we were doing God's work and that was very exciting for me. I, uh, and, and I appreciate your help life nets, anything that I ask and, and wanted or needed. Uh, when you were president of United, you, you just said, we'll make it happen. And I do greatly appreciate you for that and i think anybody listening to this uh they must already know what kind of man you are but i uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate that very well, much well we have appreciated you in, in that way too like i said your reputation preceded me getting to know you uh i'll just kind of interject here but my first probably knowledge of you was through natasha who lived in barbados because hmm. yes. Nata natasha teague now or Natalia, as she likes to be called. And, uh, you know, we had her imported on a religious worker's visa from Barbados to work in managing our Russian-speaking areas in the world. And uh, she would talk about Chuck because you would go down there, and she was very, you know, she, she was very, very complimentary of you. And that, I feel like we had gotten to know you through, through, through several people. You also mentioned Denny Luker, how he has been a mentor to you, and I would say that he's been my number one mentor in life. I mean, I had a few people in life that really I looked up to, not by them talking to me, but just seeing how they live, how they pray, how they do things for other people, and Denny was one of those people, and he was that way to you, and I feel like that's one of the best ways that we could teach 
is to really live Christianity, and I, I feel like your life is a legacy to that. Well, I don't have a legacy, but I appreciate it. I just hope I can uh, fill the shoes of some of those who who came before me and uh, stand in the gap till more and more young young men are brought in and and uh, whose hearts are about the people. And I feel like I don't know how much time is left. None of us do, but we have to continue to. Uh, do the work until mm-hmm. Christ comes, or till our time is our time is finished. Mm-hmm. So I I I'm excited, probably more today about one of the churches we have. I wouldn't say I we started during my time, but they just kind of uh, dissipated or disappeared uh, in Guyana, and so we started back working with them and with my my friend and, and and deacon who who helped in that area and tried to pull things together stan bromler mm-hmm. he was uh helping and he said we've got a few people in guyana since he traveled down there for me mm-hmm. and so me and my wife had the opportunity to make our first trip after covid uh last year Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to see the people beginning to come together to form not just a church, but two churches, mm-hmm. one in Georgetown, the capital, and the other in the interior, mm-hmm. which I have not been there yet because you fly two hours inside of Guyana just to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's very, um, it's kind of where George... Um, the Campos. The Campos, Yes that he was overseeing, but he couldn't really see it. So working with these people now, we have, I was there a few months ago. Oh. We have, I baptized three ladies in a river. It's the only thing we had near us because it's very, uh, would say backward compared to us, though the people are not backward. Mm-hmm. They, uh, we have about 11 women in the church in Georgetown, and one man. So I was I was sorely outnumbered when we were there uh-huh. uh, by women. But it was so inspiring that we took the three women who wanted to be baptized. They had studied for years and had come together. And so the only place we had was this river. And I said, okay, let's uh, go down to the river. But when I got there, it was more like a lagoon mm-hmm. that the river was feeding and the water was so black, you could not even see your hand two inches below the water. <laughs> so walking out into that and having to, you know, baptize was something totally new for me. I have baptized many in many ponds, pools, and and oceans and various things, but never in a like a black lagoon. It reminded me of the movie The Creature from the Black Lagoon when I was a young man. And there were a couple of guys standing by the river there as the women were making their way down. And so I said, I understand in Guyana you have piranha. I said, you don't have piranha in these waters, do you? And he goes, oh, yes. <laughs> he said, oh, they're just a little ways up the oh, I don't think you'll, you'll have any problems here. <laughs> so, you know, that makes you feel just a little bit uncomfortable and make sure that uh, you didn't spend too much time uh, 
saying the words to the baptism that we do. But then I said, uh, what about alligators? Oh, yeah, no, they're a little bit closer. <laughs> so I must say it was uh, uh, definitely something I kept my mind on the things above rather than things down below. <laughs> but we did baptize the three ladies, and uh, it, was a, it was just an incredible, incredible weekend. And now they are meeting every week at one of them, one of their homes that we were able to help them a little bit to, to remodel a room so they could do that. And we are now looking into this. One of the exciting things for me is uh, you probably know it. It's, it's referred to on the street as a super hot spot. Mm. It's a little thing about the size of a phone that one of our members who traveled worldwide came up with and told me he, he traveled and he can pick up the nearest satellite uh, wherever it's at in out in the woods, out in the desert, in the farthest places, it will get the nearest satellite and be able to feed you hmm. an incredible uh, mm -hmm. line. And so we are taking these now to Guyana to start with on the uh, Georgetown so that they can have Internet all the time. Wow. I, I I am not familiar with that technology, or at least under I, that I name. I wasn't either, but when I was introduced to it, and he showed me and brought me over, brought it over to me, showed me since he had traveled all over the world and had incredible results. So uh, they're about, the really good ones are about $400, and then there's a service for $99 a month, mm -hmm. which gives you unlimited, unlimited internet access. Mm -hmm. So this way, our churches, we're going to start in Georgetown, uh, Guyana and and install one of those in the in within two months from now, mm -hmm. and then that way they can watch us uh, live instead of sending them messages. They can watch us live, a.m. or p.m. in South Florida. They can join our Zoom Bible studies that we do twice a month. They can Zoom after services to talk. So this will really help connect the Caribbean so that we all become even closer to each other. And then we're going to take it into the interior mm -hmm. uh, and let them be able to join. So it's going to bring the world that I take care of my part of the world together so that we can really share. Oh, this that's, gospel. Well, that, that, that's awesome. T tell me, do they uh, speak English in Guyana? Is Yes, as a matter of fact, Guyana is the only English-speaking country in South America. Oh, uh-huh. That's one of the reasons it was handed to me. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we have some members in Suriname, which is a country right next to it, which is Dutch, but I've been able to communicate with them through their limited English mm -hmm. as, uh, in other countries. Just uh, You have to have a leader, like I do in Haiti, mm -hmm. a Joseph Jean, who speaks English. Right. And uh, so we are actually back in Haiti right now. We haven't had the services because of the uprising and the anarchy that's going on in the country. But Joseph Jean was able to go in. You can't fly in through uh, Port-au-Prince anymore. So he's able to fly into Dominican Republic and take a bus. Uh -huh. six hours over to the city. So right now, as I just received video yesterday of his service that he's conducting in Mayor Belay. Oh, so. well, that, that, I was 
we have not heard about Haiti in, in some time. Now, we're, more, we're jumping now from Guyana to Haiti, and I'd like to hear about that because I'd like to have the uh, update because Joseph Jean you know, had come to one of our pastoral development program and yes. actually I've done a podcast with him uh, back oh, okay. a, a, a number of years back, back on Inside United that is still up there. But uh, he, he is quite an, he's quite an individual. But just before we leave uh, Guyana, I had gone with George de Campos to Malacca de Moscow. That's a, wow. in, the, the, in the one of the northern provinces of Brazil. But there's also a group of people uh, that that worship there. But they speak Portuguese. Portuguese. That's yes. why George is involved there. And from there, we could see the mountains to the north, and, and they they may have been sort of the beginnings of what was Guyana. Uh, probably yes. not. But I mean, it was up in that direction because there was a little bit of dispute of whether that was actually Guyana or not. But it wasn't very far. These were indigenous people, you know, living there in, in that area. Uh, but George has a pretty vibrant group there with an elder in uh, Malacca de Moscow. But also in Guyana is uh, dear to me because I used to talk by ham radio to Guyana a lot because it's English speaking. And yes. one of the most notable communications I had, I had several of them, was with People's Temple. You might remember back in 19, oh, yes. 1978 when they drank the Kool-Aid, uh, yep. literally. And I talked to them just like weeks before that. And they had a very strange way of talking and saying how wonderful that area was, how, how almost paradise-like <laughs> it was. I mean, they were forced to say these things. And then sure. it was Thanksgiving weekend, and I was up in Indianapolis visiting from Paducah, Kentucky. And then we see these horrific stories about this mass suicide that the people took. So that was my introduction to Guyana. But I'm glad to see you uh, working there and having... I knew nothing about this group of 11 and the baptisms you had and all. But let's jump now to Haiti because I know that people would like to have an update on what's happening in Haiti. Sure, sure. No problem. I, I would like to add one mm. of the women I baptized was from the interior, and she was a Mary Indian. Uh-huh. And, and, and her tribe's still there that's been in there for uh, hundreds of years. And so she was. It was very interesting to to meet and and talk to her about her culture, mm -hmm. growing up as a Mare Indian. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes. But in in Haiti, we were forced out because of the kidnappings. They had kidnapped many uh, Americans, and because Joseph Jean was tied to us, and the, the kidnappers and the gangsters that are there running the country now. They all they cared about was the money. Mm -hmm. And so he was notified by some people in town that uh, he was on the list, that uh, they were thinking about kidnapping because of our church and that our church would pay money mm -hmm. because there were a lot of Seventh-day Adventists who were kidnapped and the Seventh-day Adventists paid the money mm -hmm. to release them. Uh, they typically do not harm you. But they just—it's uh, not a—it's not a pleasant way to live till you pay up the money. The last trip, Victor, that I made there was before uh, the president was killed. President Moise was assassinated. Mm -hmm. I was on the plane. There were two other white ladies with me. We were the only white people on the plane. They were nurses that were volunteering to help at a. Um, uh, orphanage. They had come from America, different places. I didn't really talk to them. I just nodded my head to them when they got on the plane. And then afterwards, 
uh, I found out that they had been kidnapped and they were held for ransom by the um, uh, gangsters Mm -hmm. there. And so they were held for, I think it was about six weeks before they were actually released. So when I came back uh, that way, I had to go and we had to move two or three places because people would just surround your your vehicle if they thought you had any money mm-hmm. and would actually just hold you up. So uh, it's it was a very uh, trying time for us. That's why we had uh, our deacon moved out of his house there and left the church um, as it was and moved to Florida for about mm-hmm. two years now. Okay. And he just he just moved back. So he what, just moved back to Haiti. So what's happened to that property that we saw pictures of it being half completed? The uh, building? Yeah. Oh, well, yes, that, that building, I, uh, it is a church. Mm-hmm. I, I helped <laughs> frame it. I designed it, being I had a building experience and, as a contractor. And so we, we built a wonderful church and there also made it a safe place to come in hurricanes, earthquakes. And so the building would actually, if everybody's jammed in there, when there were hurricanes or anything else, it would actually hold about 500 people. Wow, yeah, I know. So, so this was a place where people started coming, as we called it, a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And so not only for services, but at other times when, uh, when, the, when the weather got real bad because there's nobody built by international building codes. Mm-hmm. And so this thing was built, and when we were framing it, um, I just hired some local guys there, and we, we built it from the ground up, and, and people would come and stand out on the street watching us build, mm-hmm. because they were, they were just amazed, because they would, they would use a two-by-four for a rafter and span 16 foot, and it was no wonder things collapsed. Uh-huh. So when I brought two-by-12s and put them up there, they just had never seen anything built quite like this, as I even superseded international code because of their earthquakes and their hurricanes so it's still standing it's still being used right now i just got pictures yesterday of it and then whenever there's problems or weather because so many people just live in little shacks mm-hmm. the dirt floors mm-hmm. i mean that's the majority of the people so this gives them a place to come to mm-hmm. when things are so yeah uh joseph's doing fine they amount of people are, is smaller, but he's continuing to preach the gospel over there and mm-hmm. uh, do the work. I'm very happy, happy with him. I, I just make another jump back to not only Guyana, but to Suriname a little bit, because I had been talking, you know, it's a Dutch-speaking area and was under Dutch administration, I believe, uh, for a while, which Dutch was under the German administration. And I remember, yes. I remember uh, working with Paul Kiefer in that area uh, where uh, I have pictures of him and they had a, a leader of the church there, Stan Braumiller, and it was all part of a LifeNets project uh, providing musical instruments for somebody who ran a music school. And uh, that's how I know Suriname and that heard the name Stan Braumiller for the first time. Yeah, Stan was uh, raised in Suriname, mm-hmm. of course he he was uh, born in Suriname, but he was educated uh, in Holland. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, he he oversaw that area for well, quite a while, being I did not speak uh, Dutch. 
but uh now of course with he's no spring chicken anymore either mm -hmm. and uh so yeah as a matter of fact i was just at his 80th birthday oh uh-huh they had a 80 his family had an 80th birthday celebration for him uh -huh. and but he's still you know he's still staying he's still uh <laughs> audacious for an 80 year old man you've never suspected but but his 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 passion and desire to help the people in Suriname, I still talk to some of the people in Suriname. The the church after after uh, uh, COVID uh, went their separate ways, but we do have followers there. I just have to start putting it together and getting them to come together on a regular basis, mm -hmm. as it as it is in in other places too. So uh, I look forward to working more and more with with Suriname. Mm -hmm. One, one thing I'd like to kind of jump to to a question here and maybe talk about another area of, of highlights. I know we've talked about Freeport. We've talked about uh, uh, Guyana. We've talked about Haiti. But one person that really sticks out to us is your wife, Mary. Uh, she is by your side and has taken a lot of the trips with you. Uh, can you tell us about how, how she's helped you? I mean, she, she is a really inspiration to many. Well, she is to me because uh, she's, a, she's a big part of the work, getting it done, being the Caribbean has 63% women. And mm -hmm. so it helps to have a woman's viewpoint on not only messages, but them being able to communicate to you. So a lot of those, uh, she's kind of the conduit to me because they will talk to her about issues perhaps they wouldn't even talk to me mm -hmm. about. She loves meeting the people. Uh, so many of the trips, uh, it's only in our budget to go a couple of times a year to take the wives, but she has paid her way from her own money mm. uh, almost all the trips, and she hates for me to leave her behind. Mm -hmm. So she's, she's as dedicated to this work as I am. Uh, she talks to the women and not only helps to encourage them, but also puts together, as your wife attended one uh, mm -hmm. down in... Uh, Trinidad. Uh, Trinidad one yeah. time. Uh, women week, women's weekends. So mm -hmm. they can just get together and spend the whole time. And so we have those, we try to have those every so often so the women can feel like uh, uh, they have input. And that's what we want them to have. And so Mary does that as good as, as well as anyone I know. As she works with people because she, she loves people. So mm -hmm. uh, it would be hard. I don't know that I could do my job. She she sends in so much of my paperwork. Now it's become so much with all the countries and all the reports and everything else, as you know that. Uh, and there's even more reports now. Uh, so she helps me to make sure I've got all my reports in. And, and so, yes, mm -hmm. she's definitely the... Uh, Priscilla to my Aquila. Well, we always note her engagement with your work, and she, she's talking about it. She's right there in conversations with you with it, and we really admire her for it. Yes. Uh, so now we've uh, talked a little bit about Haiti. Any other areas of special note? And you might want to comment about two areas, Puerto Rico and another one was Cuba. Uh, any comments about those two areas? Well, yes, we actually have a member that's living in Cuba now, and he's married to a girl there. He was a Canadian citizen, and so he's been able to live there, but now he has a business, and he travels from Canada to Cuba, to, and he also has a place in the Caymans. Mm -hmm. And so he has uh, been wanting to uh, um, do what he can to bring that 
bring the gospel to people. Mm-hmm. A little more hesitant because the government has such control over things there. And so we've been limited to, I know where we wanted to do, but we really haven't been able to do as much. Uh, we had magazines. I still have magazines in my warehouse, Spanish, <laughs> to try to get uh, there because we were. I was working with a man who got our literature and attended our church. Or he was the ambassador from St. Kitts mm-hmm. to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was very much, uh, he took a lot of our magazines over and was handing them out. He didn't, it didn't seem to bother him. I actually had lunch with him when he flew into Miami a couple of years ago and, and uh, wanting to know when we're going to get God's work in Cuba. So somewhere down the road, I really look to be able to do that. I uh, trained an assistant with me this past summer. Um, let's see, was it this summer? Yeah, well, so last summer. Last summer, uh, Aaron Dominguez. Mm-hmm. Aaron speaks French, a German, uh, Spanish, and Hebrew. So it was kind of nice having an assistant that, <laughs> that could speak all those languages. And But he is very fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. He's been giving sermons for quite a long time uh, in Mexico, Colombia. And so I, I had him go over to Puerto Rico, and he stayed over there for about eight weeks trying to work with people in the church, uh, those who were subscribers to our, our magazines, various things. But the hurricanes and the political upheaval there, the stealing, the just uh, has, has caused people to leave the island by the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. So the roads are terrible. There's no money being put in there. He he was very frustrated because hardly anybody could travel there. Mm-hmm. And they were so poor because the government running Puerto Rico is just taking it. So we maintain contact with some of the members there by getting them, being having them be able to travel across the island for the Sabbath was almost impossible. Mm-hmm. So we are just maintaining contact with them. But I, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping to get um, Aaron back so we can start and look at Cuba, because I do think there are things we could do there. Uh, mind you, the scripture, the fields are ripe, but the harvesters are few. And so I hope to be able to use Aaron mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit in the future. I know Mario Segli really once and uses him in uh, the Spanish-speaking work quite a mm-hmm. bit, so I guess I'll have to fight Mario over him. <laughs> well, certainly the islands are ripe in your case. <laughs> yes. There's always something that, that's done. And any other areas you'd like to comment on here as we uh, begin to wrap up here? Well, I, I do feel like Jamaica is continuing to grow. Jeff uh, Lockhart has done an incredible job of seeing them day to day. I'm still the uh, president of the board there and, and meet with them once a year, but I, I hope to be making more trips over there mm-hmm. as we continue to see the growth. The young people are coming in. I'm really excited about some of the young men, what they're able to do. They're giving messages. I would love for them to come over and to go to ABC 
so that they could have more instruction because I feel like uh, there's more than a few that could be in the ministry and could be helping us a great deal in Jamaica. So I'll be praying for that in the next year and uh, encouraging them to be good, to be more uh, online, learning all they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of one of the areas that I would like to see, and I really feel like it will it will take off. Because originally we were going to combine the churches to where we only had two. We were going to have one in Kingston and one in uh, Montego Bay, but and and kind of do the Ocho Rios. But we found out um, we're going to be able to reach the community and have more growth if we have the three churches. Mm-hmm. So because it's very hard to travel there, mm-hmm. very expensive. So if we can keep our three churches open, it allows people to come in mm-hmm. from all over all parts of the island. So, and that's what we're that's what we're trying to trying to do: make this uh, gospel available mm-hmm. to everyone. Well, just uh, we applaud all the things that God is doing through you, Chuck. It takes a person who is an instrument to be able to do it, to be willing, to be, in your particular case, very flexible with uh, different winds that blow and different conditions that are there. And you were involved in that area before you even became pastor. Yes, I loved it. We were coming to the Caribbean for 10 years before I was ever hired, and I knew so many of the people. I enjoyed it. And one of the main things I look at now as part of my ministry for the, for the Caribbean is to empower and inspire mm-hmm. all the brethren to be the best Christian they can be, to be the best individual they can be, to be the best member, to be the best uh, you know family mm-hmm. that they can pull together. Because, as I've said, it, it's always twofold. It's to the kingdom. Until the kingdom, mm-hmm. so that's kind of what I've tried to push to them. I like that. <laughs> to the kingdom until the kingdom. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I just I just like I say I've, I've said it before. I appreciate you. I appreciate your wife because she, <laughs> she's been willing to to help uh, more than most women would be willing to, and she's put up with me when I've had phone calls just. Uh, at bad times <laughs> and she's had the patience to work with me and be willing to, and she's willing to help me and so I just think she's a great asset to you and I know you appreciate her very much and if I can say anything to anyone listening uh, these these two the cubics are what you want your leaders in the church to be because they care first and foremost is about God, and the next is the people. So that's all I want to say to you, uh, because you, I think that says it all to me. Well, <laughs> I feel humbled by that statement, and we feel likewise about you and the things that you and Mary do. So thank you very much, Chuck. It's just been great talking to you, and I'm sure that uh, this will be a blessing to people who listen to this podcast. Well, I hope so, and I appreciate all those people who help assist us in the Caribbean and uh, assist you in life nets because they, they help when we're really in need. And so I just, uh, I thank you so very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank Peter. you. Thank you for listening to us today on The Cubic Report. We welcome you to share this podcast and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and many other platforms. You can easily find us at any browser address box by typing in the words 
the Cubic Report, and there we are. Remember, Cubic is spelled K-U-B-I-K. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.